0: Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed medical management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, hello there and thank you for joining us on WellMed Radio. We are so happy to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Dr. Charles is a doctor of osteopathy. Uh, She's a WellMed physician. You find her in family practice at the WellMed clinic at Ingram, board certified in family practice. And she did her residency in Corpus Christi, uh, where she spent a whole lot of time learning how to do what she's doing now and, and doing it quite successfully. Thank you very much. So, Dr. Charles, uh, looking back, uh, you're still relatively young. You chose to work with seniors. Why?
1: I think I've always had a heart for for seniors. I had excellent relationship with my grandparents, you know, both sides. When we when I went through residency, I did training as family medicine. We train with everything, you know, from uh, pediatrics, infants maternal care, um, all the way to seniors. It's just such a special population, you know, and and it's one that I enjoy. It is a challenge. You know, some of my patients are on a lot of different medications that we have to balance, you know, blood pressure medication, um, heart medication, diabetes. And I think that um, it's such a, a population, they just have such good stories, such rich histories that they love to tell me about. And I think that's why.
0: And I know for seniors now, uh, one of the fastest growing group of those diagnosed with depression are males age 65 and over. And you must be seeing in the wake of COVID-19, a lot of your patients who are struggling with depression, which we're going to talk about today. And welcome on board a guest who has been with us on a number of occasions, Dr. Emanuel Jane. He is the lead physician for Wellman at Haynes City in Haynes City, Florida. Earned his medical degree from the University of Santa Tomas in Manila. He complete, that's Manila, the Philippines. He completed his family medicine residency at the University of South Florida in Tampa. Dr. Jane is board certified in family practice and geriatric medicine. And Dr. Jane, it is great to see you again. Thanks for coming on.
2: And nice to be here this afternoon with this very interesting topic.
0: Well, it is interesting, and especially because, as I was mentioning to Dr. Charles a minute ago, So many people have been locked in their homes, have been isolated, are are frightened about getting COVID-19, haven't necessarily been keeping up on their regular medical visits, and they're depressed.
2: Yes, it is a, uh, well, it's natural response to uh, a lot of comorbid conditions. And a lot of these patients uh, may have problems getting to their doctor's, in trying to stabilize their uh, medical conditions. And so they get worried about it. And uh, worry is one of the symptoms that sometimes lead to depression. When we talk about clinical depression, uh, sometimes it's unnoticed or unrecognized. And uh, they just not being attended to. And I think a lot of uh, the elderly patient uh, has depression that is not recognized. And sometimes they think it's part of aging. And in fact, you know, depression is not a response to aging. It's a clinical condition by itself and can be treated. And I have patients who have multiple medical conditions and uh, help them a lot if you recognize that they are depressed and treated. Otherwise, it will just make their medical condition worse. And uh, it's really very uh, pathetic because majority of them are alone at home, especially on this uh, COVID uh, situation they're isolated and they're alone and they need even somebody just to talk to in fact we have uh, reached out to them uh, when the beginning of this uh, pandemic we send them meals so that they can feel at least feel that we are here uh, for them and we have made a, 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 a not a policy but we have been gathering you know uh, help to get send them some uh, meals and some just any anything that will make them uh, feel connected and perk them up because majority of my patients are alone at home.
0: Talk to me about the symptoms because uh, if you're depressed, you may not even know you're depressed. What is it uh, that you might look for and, and what a significant other, if you have someone in your life, uh, what can they look for to help signal depression?
2: Yeah, formally we have some uh, questionnaires that we ask patients about depression. We call it the patient health Questionnaire and there are nine uh, you know nine symptoms but majority of patients they don't uh, fall into that and sometimes it's the family members that will bring to your attention that they have changed in their mood they have changed in their personality they either get irritated they get agitated they get uh, or they just isolate themselves but formally we have a way of trying to categorize uh, their depressions there are different kinds of depression um generally, there are clinical depressions, there are neurotic depressions, there are situational depressions, there are depressions due to medical conditions, there are medications that can be brought about by medications. So there's a lot of uh, ways that you can really uh, determine. You just have to think about it. When there's a patient that doesn't seem to fall into their medical uh, symptoms and characteristics, you just say, probably depression is uh, setting in. In fact, I had a patient one time that she just don't know what's bothering her. And she's very intelligent, a mature uh, elderly patient. And she doesn't understand. She, she has no energy. She has sleeping problems. And she said, I don't have any medical problems. I just don't know. I just don't understand. And then after a while, she was talking about her daughter's uh, problems. And she's talking about some people's problems. And I said, I'm not usually like that. And then after you know, father digging into her conditions, I realized that she was depressed. So I put her on antidepressant and she came back and said, wow, I didn't realize that I have been depressed. So sometimes it comes in, in a different uh, scenarios or different appearances, different presentations. And you just have to be cognizant of the fact that depression is common among the elderly patients.
0: All right, stay with me just a minute. I want to remind folks... Who may have just joined us? You're listening to WellMed Radio. We're talking about depression. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co host, Dr. Maurice Charles, is with us, and we're talking on the WellMed Radio Hotline from Haines City, Florida. Dr. Emmanuel Jane, and we're talking about depression and ways in which it can be diagnosed and treated. You mentioned, Dr. Jane, you, you put your patient on medication. Uh, I, I think I heard that for seniors, there are some medications uh, that can be hazardous some that are okay, Uh, how do you know which ones uh, are okay to take and which aren't?
2: Yeah, you have to look at the depression, how a person would uh, approach uh, depression. Some people who are very active and they said, I cannot anymore jog, I cannot anymore do things, I feel down in the dumps, I don't have any energies, and uh, they have problems sleeping. If you put that patient on antidepressant that will make them or has some sedation to it, they would not love it, even if it's indicated they would say, that medication just makes me more uh, unable to do things. So if you put that patient on an antidepressant that has an excitatory effect, not only depression, but it also perks them up. Oh, they love the medicine. They didn't even know that they're taking, an, you know, like a norepinephrine receptor inhibitors and make makes them feel good. Now, if you put a patient who, is, who loves to sit in, his, in a room, and not do anything when they feel depressed. They just want to be isolated in the room. And you put them on antidepressant that has a sedating effect that will calm them down. Oh, they love that medicine. So that's the guidance that you use in treating these patients. And in the elderly, we try to start at a low dosage and a very slow progression of that dosage. So that when you have side effects, it doesn't bother them that much. And some of the side effects are dryness of the mouth, rapid heart rate. Um, some of them get... Uh, Uh, really hyper and that they cannot tolerate it. They just don't feel good with the medication. So you try to start as low as you can. The the thing with medications, it takes a while before they take effect, sometimes up to four weeks. But usually you see the difference after two weeks. And their depression does not necessarily resolve until after 12 weeks sometimes uh, in the elderly. So you take it a while, you make it slow and and progress uh, to it. At the same time, you don't only put them on antidepressant. You also try to put them on other medications that will help them. They might have a lot of pain. So antidepressant will not help when a person is hurting and they're depressed because they have this chronic illness. And for the past six months, they have been depressed because of that. So you also have to treat that or they're worried about their hypertension. So treating them for just depression without treating hypertension will make them more anxious. So there's a combination of things that you have to look at when you put patients on medications. And most of all, very important also is is try to help them. You know, we have the term psychotherapy, but actually the doctor is the one that will be helping them just to listen to them and just to evaluate how their conditions led to depression. And just by that alone is a form of modified psychotherapy. You don't have to be a psychiatrist to know that the person needs your help. And sometimes it's it's moral issues that they have. You may be able to contribute without converting them to your religion, but they help. They, that helps a lot. You look at their psychology, their sociology, their biology situation and the moral aspect of it. And all of that you put into the equation to help them. And so these patients really need some form of social support, psychotherapy in combination with your medications. Oh my, they love it. I mean, you can really help them with that rather than just concentrating on one aspect of treatment. And that is, you know, biological treatment or pharmacotherapy you you help them by understanding, listening to them in fact.
0: So Dr. Charles, what about talk therapy as a way to assist <laughs> them as well? Medication then combined with sending them uh to a psychologist.
1: Where it's available, um psychotherapy is fantastic. Um and some you know, most patients will benefit from a combination of you know, like Dr. Jane was saying, you know, you want to do, you know, counseling there in the office, but that's going to be limited in the amount of time. Um, the pharmacological therapy, so some medications, and like you said, we have to pick the, the right one for the right patient, depending on the symptoms, and then the the psychotherapy. Um, I know that there are limited resources in some areas, you know, and finding a psychotherapist can be difficult and sometimes costly. You know, the insurance, um, sometimes, you know, there's, there's co-pays involved. So um, I always encourage my patients to seek out therapy. um, And I know most of my colleagues would do the same. There is definitely benefit in addition to pharmacological medications to having some psychotherapy as well. I think it just kind of helps you... Yeah, be able to organize your thoughts a little bit better. Sometimes you don't realize you had something weighing on you. Maybe it's something from when you were younger that you just hadn't brought to the surface. And sometimes just talking about it lightens that weight, lightens the load.
0: Now, in many communities, and and, uh, because our show is available on podcasts as well, people listen to us from all over the country, many communities will have a nonprofit organization offering low-cost counseling or Uh, uh, a sliding scale so that they make it affordable for folks. That's something certainly to look into. I know here in uh, for those in San Antonio, Jewish Family and Children's Service offers counseling. And again, on a sliding scale, so that can really benefit folks. Now stick with us. We're going to come right back to you. We're talking with Dr. Manuel Jane. He's with WellMed at Haines City, Florida. And we're talking about depression. Stick with us right here on WellMed Radio.
2: You may be
1: experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892.
0: So pleased you are sticking with us right here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co host, Dr. Maurice Charles. We're talking on our WellMed Radio hotline from Haines City, Florida, with Dr. Emmanuel Jane. We're talking about depression. And in the wake of COVID 19, uh, PCPs like Dr. Jane and Dr. Charles, and all over this country, are seeing more and more seniors and others who are depressed. So, Dr. Jane, you mentioned a couple of patients as examples who didn't really know they were depressed. Uh, Do some people who are depressed know it?
2: Uh, Yes, majority of patients who are depressed will be the first one to tell you that they are depressed. Um, They feel that because there's a complete change in their uh, physiology. They cannot sleep. They lost appetite. They lose weight. And at the same time, they find it so difficult to concentrate. And so oftentimes it's mistaken for dementia and said, oh, my parents are demented. And then if you will uh, dig farther, the the patient is alone at home, and the families have left and gone up north, and they're alone. Their friends around have gone up north. And they said, you know, my mother seems not to remember things or get depressed, misplaced. I mean, not depressed, but demented. But then when you look at them and interview them some more, they're just depressed because they don't have any more social support. They're alone in the mobile home park. And uh, especially with this pandemic, they used to go to the uh, recreation hall and we able to cope with this situation. But not now with isolation, being quarantined, and they really become depressed because of that situation. So this pandemic has really changed uh, a lot of uh, lifestyle that my patients have. Even if they want to go out to walk, they just don't feel good because the friends that they go with are not there. So they don't have anybody to talk to. And so they just stay at home and they feel depressed, but you know you call that a reactive depression and oftentimes mistaken for dementia and those are the two things that are really very important to recognize in the elderly patient: A demented patient can be depressed, and a depressed person can sometimes be misunderstood as getting demented and so you have to really look at that very closely among the elderly when they have all this situation going on around them
0: well in some ways that 's good news that. It's not dementia, it's depression, and you can treat depression.
2: Uh, yes, that's true. And uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of pharmaceutical armamentarium to really help them, not only the symptoms, but the depression itself. And of course, with the help of psychotherapy and social workers and churches, they really have helped us uh, make these patients feel better and, and uh, you know live a much happier life than what they are facing right now.
0: The other issue that has come up in, in, uh, in recent years is the increasing numbers of people, mostly men, 65 and over, who are uh, taking their own lives, committing suicide. And uh, among your patients who are depressed, uh, depression, of course, can be a key factor uh, in suicide. Uh, how, how do you deal with that with your patients? Uh, I'm assuming you talk to them about it.
2: Yes, that's true. When, when you have a patient who is depressed, You really have to talk to them about that. And one of the symptoms that is very blatant, and you will see that and be aware of it, that when a person is depressed and all of a sudden they come to your office and said, I feel good, good, I feel great. I don't have any more problem. And then you ask them about somatic symptoms. They don't have pain. They don't have shortness of breath. They don't have chest pain. And everything is is well. Watch out. Those are the patients that have found a solution to their problems, not only their depression, but also their medical conditions. They're not afraid of heart attack anymore. They're not afraid of dementia. They don't have any pain. Those are the ones that have found a solution, which is to commit suicide. And they will not even admit it to you, but you have to watch. And then one time I had a patient that, that happened. She He became a widower and has COPD, had chest pain, dyspnea and exertion. And then all of a sudden, the patient just felt great. No more symptoms at all. Even the physical symptoms are not there. And, so I, and then my feelings are, oh, great. My patient's feeling better. I put him on antidepressant and uh, to, to, I feel so sad because uh, two, three weeks later, the daughters came and said he committed suicide at home with a gun and and those are the things that you really have to talk to and if they're depressed first of all you ask them and say is there a gun in the house is there a, that they can use is the patient uh, you know fixing all their finances you know they're trying to be ready to go and those are the the signs and symptoms that you have to watch for in these patients and especially the men the men are the ones that the highest incidence of suicide and especially with firearms and and the women talk about their problems and they have a group in, in men, it's very hard because their only support is their wives. And then when they become widower, the children comes in, but you know, they don't, they replace their loved ones. I mean, their, their wives and, and their, no matter how much they give them the support. So it's you as a doctor should be aware of the fact that, that this patient may lead into that situation. And that happened to one of my patients. And I cannot forget that and from now on, all the depressed patient, you have to ask them about suicide, talk to them about it morally and you know, their culture, you have to ask, you have to ask them, otherwise they will not volunteer that they're gonna commit suicide. You have you know, to ask yeah. them. You have Be to aware. normalize it. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is why I think we do so many of those screenings and why, you know, we we have a policy to just do them on everybody. Because some people you know might even be offended. Why are you asking me about that? but it's it's important to normalize it and to bring the topic up because so many people that have those thoughts will not express it unless you specifically ask and so yeah, that's part of the the screening test that we do, but Dr. Jane is right like it it sometimes can be a, a very difficult arena to navigate because some patients won't upfront about it. And it's, you know, for so many people, um, emotions, feelings are are things that they're not used to expressing. They're not used to talking to people. And I don't know how many times in my career I've had somebody tell me, you know, I've never told anybody this before, you know, and that's, you know, something that when you establish a good relationship with your primary care doctor, you know, that you can allow the patient to feel more relaxed and more free to share when th- when those thoughts do come up and when those feelings come up.
0: That's so one a real compliment to you when a patient feels comfortable talking to you about those inner secrets.
2: Yeah, one of I the mean... fortunate things about being an older doctor, you're more comfortable to talk to them about it because you seem to be at their level. At times, when my patient comes in with some physical symptoms, I would say, I know what you mean, and they, well... they believe you. <laughs> And I said, right. I'm, I'm trying to catch up, but I will never do. But when I was much younger, I find it sometimes uncomfortable to ask them. But now that I understand about geriatrics better, when I, me, myself is getting there and, you know, they, they open up and they feel grateful that you are, um, touching to it and they feel good that they, somebody understands their, their feelings. Um, and that's very difficult sometimes to, to empathize, you know, it, because it takes a lot of, of, of you. To talk about it because it, it drains you a lot and you get into the patient's uh, life especially when you also have at that particular age group you know i mean you don't talk about video so, games you know you talk about real life
0: <laughs> <laughs> your patient who committed uh suicide did you feel responsible that you hadn't caught it
2: not necessarily because i felt like i have done the right thing you know okay. in, in any situation. It's your conscience that will guide you. You may tend to blame yourself, but that's one thing you have to guard yourself also from. That that you will not, you know. It's like if your friend go into the disk don't jump into it, you know. Then the both of you are there, you know. You, right. you try to, and you are trained. You're a prof, you're a professional, and you know that that will happen. And so you try to cope with it by saying, "Yes, I, I feel that way, but it should not hinder me from doing what I need to do," and recognizing that in fact it even more. Uh, king to you that, oh, now I have to recognize this because it happened rather than feeling bad about it. You know, okay, I feel bad that my patients would do that uh, or anybody that would do that, a friend or anybody makes you feel bad. But since you are the doctor you, and you are trained to face the situation, you really have to do that. You have to, you know, cope with it.
0: Now we've only got about two minutes left, Dr. Jane. Uh, talk to me a bit about uh, depression that we haven't touched on. Uh, some things you'd like to share with us.
2: Yes, uh, there are depressions that uh, are going into cycles. And uh, we call it you know, the bipolar depression, unipolar depression, uh, psychotic depressions and all that. Uh, it used to be called um, manic depressive disorders. And now you have this the depression or the manic stage. So when a patient comes in depressed and all of a sudden come back and says, "I feel good and buying things and and completely different personality you watch you watch because that patient may be going into cycles of depression and uh, hyperactivity and usually they 're very good uh, when they feel good they're very good company because they tell you a lot of things and they their pursuits are there, and they they succeed, but in the sense they overdo things they overdo things they they overspend and they approach everybody, and yet, on the other hand, they are also depressed. At one time, they'll be a clown; at the second time, they'll be crying. And, and and those are the people that uh, different types of depression, uh, we call psychotic depression. And sometimes they're depressed enough to think that their depression is due to their neighbor's uh, paint. They don't like the paint of the house, and then they said well, that probably guided by some delusions, or uh, that they do that. So those are the things that that we also watch for. But usually, they have they have some history that had uh, affected their neighbors and other people there are also people that are generally just depressed personality no matter what you do they just feel depressed you don't have to treat them you just have to guide them you just have to send them to a psychotherapist and say you know have some cognitive behavioral therapy that they would not you know you can live with your depression they they're pretty functional but do not let anybody else, you know, <laughs> be affected by your depression. You're a depressed person, no matter what you do. They, they you know, when they laugh, they just go, ha you know, ha. They don't, they don't really participate in what's going on. And those are the Hey, Dr. The Charles,
0: they- I got to stop you right there. You are a fabulous guest, a delight to talk with. And uh, uh, you're one of the few we like to have back often. So we'll talk with you again soon. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Dr. Jane. It was a pleasure.
0: It was a pleasure. we got to go. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jane. Dr. Charles, thank you. I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for listening to WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.